0: I hope to both inspire and enable you to create sustained change in your own life. Thank you so much for tuning in and enjoy. This is such an amazing interview for you all today. I cannot wait for you all to listen and to hear your feedback on this. This conversation with Christy and Dawn, both of these women are pages I found on social media actually on Instagram. Both of their pages are phenomenal resources. I love seeing the information they're posting. They're both bioenergetic practitioners among their many other educational pursuits. They have so much knowledge. And I said this at the end of my EVOX episode last week that there is so much information in this interview. I honestly feel like they should have charged me for their time. <laughs> Literally, we cover so many different facets of this conversation around parasites, they are so thorough and share so much knowledge about this topic. And what I wanna say here is, they have an amazing course on parasites that just launched, I wanna say maybe two months ago. And it is truly, I can say, the most comprehensive resource on the topic of parasites available today. And it's geared for either practitioners or the everyday individual. If you're just wanting to learn more about parasites for yourself, this is a phenomenal resource. And then, of course, if you are a practitioner wanting to learn more about parasites, also a wonderful, wonderful resource to learn about this really nuanced topic. It's it's definitely more complex than I think you hear on social media. Addressing parasites is not just... You know, eating some papaya seeds once a month, or doing a cleanse on the full moon once a month. There's so much more to it, and I love the nuance and the knowledge that both Christy and Dawn bring to this discussion. So please enjoy this interview. Well, Dawn, Christy, welcome to the Crescent Podcast. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. So. I think I probably have followers and audience members who already follow both of you, but just in case, can you each give us a little bit of sort of the spiel of how you got to where you are today in terms of your practices, um, your approach to wellness, et cetera?
1: Christy, do you want to start or do you want me to go? Yeah, I can
2: go. Um, Hey, everybody, I'm Christy. I think a lot of us practitioners, you'll kind of see a little common theme of a lot of us kind of fall into this space because we were 162, right? So like a lot of us had kind of different careers beforehand, and then we became unwell, and so that kind of transpired us to, um, or inspired us really to kind of like dive into, you know, what was going on. And you know, like similarly, that was me. you know, I kind of had a completely different job and after I had my daughter, I um, really was bedridden and I didn't have any answers why. Um, and just would go on to like different doctors to kind of seek out different, um, different reasonings, you know, from a conventional approach. Um, and I was just kind of told like, oh, everything's fine. or. You know, I was eventually diagnosed with Hashimoto's and just was told you always be on medication, right? Like it, there was no other, nothing else you could do, no mention of diet or lifestyle or things that could cause Hashimoto's in the first place. Um, and that's when I just started to really want to learn more. And it, it kind of started innocently with just nutrition. So I went to school for a bachelor's in nutrition. I was originally going to become a registered dietitian. But then I learned really quickly in school that a lot of that was funded. And I just didn't really align with, you know, like my pyramid and the my plate um, approach. And so I just kind of kept looking for more answers and reading more books. And I started taking different courses that were more focused in on not only nutrition, but the whole picture, right? Like looking at, you know, different exposures and different toxins and things that I had never ever heard of or mentioned of. Um, so I started with like IHP and FDN and some of these more. Um, Courses that are you know catered towards practitioners um, for more root cause approach and around that time I'd find uh, found bioresonance which is really where me and Dawn actually met was through um, a company called Creating Balanced Health and we both worked for um, for for that company for a while and we learned of bioenergetics and how really you can um, figure out root cause from your energy right just for sending in hair and saliva samples and. Um, I figured I would try it, and it really started to help me and started helping my daughter. And so, you know, we both worked for that company for quite some time, and that's where we were able to eventually kind of expand, purchase our own bioresidence machines that we were able to kind of expand our business and do um, a whole lot more. But yeah, really, it was just wanting to learn answers for myself originally first. And you just start to notice how everything is... Is that we were taught is just wrong right Like it's everything's really backwards or we're just not really given the right answer it's just you know um, it's really frustrating. so it started with you know those type of courses and then it went into you know blood chemistry and understanding how really blood work um, I even looked back at old blood work from you know my early 20s were're already showing patterns of you know different things going on in chronic infections that were completely, you know, kind of brushed off because it wasn't within that really small window that they present. Um, And then from there, because I personally have dealt with Lyme myself and family members, etc., that's really where I've spent the majority of my um, training and and studying is in the Lyme, you know, the Lyme realm and really understanding Lyme, chronic Lyme, how Lyme can manifest into so many other different conditions and diagnoses. Um, and then it kind of has transpired from there into, you know, more kids and working with pants panda's kids. And I'm in a course for learning more about autism. And um, like Dawn, we both are kind of these course junkies. <laughs> we yeah. call ourselves course junkies, <laughs> and we just always are looking for what more can we learn, right? We both have these like libraries full of books, and so I would say it's not necessarily like one course per se, it's it's an accumulation of really learning everything, but I would say the reason why I'm here today is because I was one sick too. Um, mm-hmm. And really just wanting to not only better, you know, better support myself, but my family. Um, and then you just get to the point where you really want to take that knowledge to better help other people.
0: I love that. One of the things that draws me to both of you so much is that continual learning and research. It's just, I mean, we, I think we live in a time where it can be really easy to become very ignorant or egotistical about what we think we know in terms of research and just like realizing there is so much we don't know. And especially as health practitioners, we cannot stop learning and looking at the research. And so I love that about both of you.
1: Don, take it away. Well, honestly, I could really just say like ditto, like Christy's <laughs> kind of covered it all. But honestly, um, my journey is really similar. I came here finding, uh, seeking and searching for my own answers for myself and my own health. I was going through my own chronic illness that was years and years and years in the making, and um, I couldn't find any answers. And so I was going to doctor after doctor, specialist after specialist, and I never got a diagnosis of any kind. I was told everything is normal. And like Christy, now I look back on my old blood work and I'm like, oh my gosh, how did nobody pick up on these patterns? So for me, I started out um, in the clinical herbalism world. So I did like six years of clinical herbalism classes, looking into herbs uh, to help support symptoms. Um, But I realized at some point that it wasn't enough, You know, always seeking and searching for answers. Uh, So it led me into IHP, it led me into blood chem, Um, met Christy through creating balanced health started doing bio. I mean when I found bioresonance it was really for myself still I wanted to test myself to see you know where am I at health wise Um, so it turned into me using that in my in my practice um, and there was so much information there And parasites honestly were a huge part of that for me so parasite cleansing was imperative like Mm -hmm. imperative on my journey it was so so important I ended up having to do eight months of parasite cleansing in order to really bring myself back into balance um but it's been quite a journey and uh just like christy always taking new courses always looking for more answers um, working with people in the chronic illness world kids um, working with autism um so much there's just so much there so uh yeah i think i'll leave it at that
0: that's so great it's always nice just to hear a little bit of where everyone's coming from so getting into parasites i know that this is something we could talk about for hours especially having taken both of your parasite course that you both developed together which will absolutely be linked in the show notes so we're gonna do our best to cover here but just for the audience this is a very vast nuanced topic but let's just start out with i think a lot of us hear the word parasite and think of some horrifying monster that's like eating us from the inside out. So can we just get a basic definition of what a parasite is or can be and why it is actually something that we need to pay attention to even here in first world countries? For sure. So,
2: I mean, I think if we're going like basic textbook definition, you know, a parasite is something that lives off of or or on a host right? So a lot of people, like you said, they're going to think of these like nightmarish, like 30 foot long, um, parasites. And I think a lot of it too, there's different shows out there. Um, I don't know if you guys saw the one that caters towards parasites, it's called, um, uh, the monster, the monster inside me. Yeah. yeah. And it, it shows these like really, you know, significant cases of parasites and you know, how people are going all through, you know, all through these things. And, um, I think it kind of puts into perspective that these things are very rare and if you are to come across one it's you know completely life changing and um, I'm not downplaying that it can't be of course right like we even go in depth on all the different conditions and things that parasites can uh, manifest itself into but I think what we like to really do is kind of make parasites more approachable because everybody has them right like I've never worked with a single person who's never you know resonated with a parasite so if you think you don't have one, you're, unfortunately, you're mistaken, right? Like, we all have some level of an exposure to them. Um, But I think kind of, like, taking that, you know, step back to understanding just how common they are, I think, makes them a little less scary, for sure. But um, I think the other thing, too, is, like, we, we, we live in this, like, really sanitary, clean type of world. And so I think a lot of people assume, as well, that you know, just because we, you know, are cleanly that we can't get parasites in third world countries, but that's also, um, you know, false as well. And um, there's so many ways to come across parasites at this point, right? And we also have to consider that we move and we travel. And so, you know, kind of limiting parasites to just certain areas of the, of the country um, doesn't make sense at this point either, right? So um, I think the bigger thing is, yeah, yeah, just kind of like thinking back to, you know, your grandparents or even your great grandparents. Um, I know my grandma used to feed me, spoon feed me castor oil every once in a while and she would always say it's for the worms and I always thought my grandma was a little <laughs> crazy for it. <laughs> but now I think back, like she was talking about, you know, parasites and other pathogens too. And if you go really back in the research around the 1930s was when the Rockefellers came on the scene and they really changed what was taught in, you know, in schools and medical schools. and. Um, You know you got to think of like you can't put a patent on plants and so a lot of what was kind of um, a routine of you know Like maybe parasite cleansing or deworming a few times a year has really became now a taboo subject Um, But if you also look at the link between um, You know really health and the declining of health and how big of an issue, you know um, Especially in the United States things are there is a huge increase um, Around the time that a lot of things started to change as well.
0: Mm. something I want to bring up here is because I know this is like the biggest argument that I always hear when it comes to parasites. And I even have a relative who works in gastrointestinal They're They're doing like <clears throat> the cameras through the gastrointestinal. And she's like, I don't I don't really get the whole parasite thing. We do gastro scans all day long and never see parasites. So can we just address this right up front of <laughs> yeah. why conventional testing isn't super reliable when it comes to parasites?
2: Yeah, I mean, you have to look at it from a couple different ways, right? Not all parasites harbor in the intestines is a big one, right, so they can actually be in the liver, they can be in the lymphatic system, they can be, I mean, anywhere. They can be in our female reproductive organs, our brain. Um, so this idea that they're always, or just exclusively in our intestines is, inaccurate um, but when it comes to like stool testing and other types of testing too um, you know you're sending in one stool sample and um, and from that stool sample it's gross but they're basically just taking a small scoop within that stool sample so the chances of if you already had parasites in your stools because you're not actively you know detoxing from them there's probably not going to be any in there right but then if, say if even if you were taking herbs for parasites they would have to get like just the right Scoop of your stool to put under a microscope to even see the parasite. So, um, you know, when it comes to stool testing and other types of testing, it's just, it's not reliable. I have had plenty of clients actually do a stool or a GI map test uh, when they were parasite cleansing and it came back positive that way. Um, but I still think that, yeah, I mean, um, unless you're actively, you know, killing or targeting parasites, the chances of them just being in your stools is pretty, pretty minimal
0: so let's start with what are some of the main sources of exposure to parasites because I think this is where a lot of people might get hung up again of I have no idea how I could possibly have gotten a parasite
1: yeah so there are so many ways and I think that this is another huge misconception so some of the some of the biggest ways that we see are going to be through food so pork is a huge offender beef is another offender sushi Um, Again, because it's raw, so it's really all about how well is your meat cooked. Because if it's not cooked all the way through, this is when we can see parasite exposure happening. Um, Through food, we can also see it coming through uh, uh, unwashed veggies. So a reminder to always wash your veggies. Um, Other ways, water. So tap water. Um, If you follow me, you know that I'm a big um, proponent of filtering your water. We can actually be exposed to parasites through tap water, but not just tap water open bodies of water so swimming in like lakes rivers streams we can come into skin contact with parasites and be exposed to them that way other big ways think about pets so we deworm our pets regularly because we know they're coming into contact with parasites on a regular basis but we're not deworming ourselves Um, but we're cleaning up after them we're cleaning up their poop either through a litter box or outside. Um, So on the topic of skin contact, if we're walking around barefoot in an area where there's a lot of animal feces or has been animal feces, either through domesticated animals or wild animals, another way we can come into contact. Um, Another thing that isn't often talked about is insect bite. So we can actually come into like blood-borne parasites through things like ticks. If you think about Babesia, which is a common Lyme co-infection, mosquitoes, we can also come into contact with parasites that way as well. Um, They can be passed in utero, so from mother to child. And there are also uh, parasites that are sexually transmitted. So Um, there there are certain parasites that are actually STDs because they're sexually transmitted. So um, other ways, final ways that I want to talk about are like contaminated surfaces. So public restrooms, if you think about like airports, there's a lot of people going to the bathroom in there. We're all cleansing parasites from ourselves, um, you know, all the time. So we can come into contact that way. The exposure points are happening all over all the time. Um, But If we want to talk about the biggest way, I would say probably food and water are the are the largest exposure points. Mm.
0: Two things just popped into my head. The first one is I feel like I can already hear people in their minds going great. I just can't ever leave my house. And that's obviously not the message here. I think the message is we're going to come into contact with these. Let's address what is imbalanced internally such that they're able to thrive and reproduce and kind of take over. Whereas when we're healthy and balanced, we can come into contact with these things and it's not completely debilitating us. The other quick question that just popped into my mind as you were talking and you may not know this, um, but. Do you know, have you seen any studies on is there a difference in parasite contamination of meats like conventional raised beef and pork versus more organic antibiotic free, etc.
1: Certainly. Yeah. So meat that's coming from a CAFO, which is a confined animal feeding operation. um, The the clean, the cleanliness practices of those farms are less so than would be at like a pasture raise, like where animals are living the way that they're meant to live. So These animals are living in their own feces. I mean, if you drive by a CAFO, you can see very clearly they're standing in piles of their own feces, which that's where the parasites are at. So it's almost impossible to avoid parasites during the slaughtering process. If you think about the animals being transported on those big trucks, they're pooping on each other on their way to being slaughtered, which is a horrible thought, I realize, um, but it's just the reality of the situation. And I mean, this is also an important topic when thinking about dairy products as well, because um, we can come into contact with parasites through dairy um, because feces can end up in dairy products, so we can have exposure that way as well. So as far as studies, I don't 100% know on, on that, but yes, you know, based on the, um, you know, just the fact that animals are living in their own feces and the, the um, cleanliness of that situation is uh, not ideal. Um, definitely I would expect there to be higher parasite load in animals that are being raised that way as opposed to out on grass where the manure is actually being used to fertilize the grass. It's a reciprocal process that's happening with that. So, yes, I mean, in my opinion, I would say yes. Christy, do you have anything to add on that? Yeah,
2: yeah, for sure. I mean, I agree with all of that. I think also, too, we think of like a pasture-raised farm. You know, a lot of them on Instagram, which is cool, they actually show you what they're feeding them and all of that stuff too. And they're feeding them food that they're meant to have, right? And like fresh food. So I think also too, you think of not only is because they're eating what they're supposed to is they're, they're going to be healthier in general. So if they were to come across or were to be carrying some level of parasites, I would assume their body's going to be able to kind of get rid of it on its own more naturally because they're not kind of being you know, not active and just kind of standing one place and being fed corn and all
0: all of these other things, too. So on that topic, before we get into some of the signs and symptoms, what are some of the other variables that you guys have seen, that you guys have studied of things that make us more susceptible to parasitic infections that really can cause imbalances and symptoms? yeah i mean there's a lot of them for sure um i think one
2: of the more common ones i see is stress Um, just because stress does really deplete our enzyme production and so our enzymes are our first line defense against pathogens so if you're dealing with low stomach acid and you're having all these imbalances of digestive enzymes you're really not having those there to kind of help assist you in fighting them off in the first place and know a lot of us were raised with standard american diets and so we already have some level of like digestive issues going on or quote unquote leaky gut um so the stress plays a big role you know for sure um you know obviously our diet and lifestyle measures too are kind of creating a perfect storm as well if you have a leaky gut it's going to make it more hospitable for a parasite to kind of come in and set up shop um, as well you really want to look at the emotional side with parasites um, Because there's some fascinating kind of like research on, you know, where parasites can kind of harbor and set up shop is really kind of dependent on where you tend to hold stress as well. So if your liver was already, um, you know, kind of impacted because you're dealing with a lot of anger, um, perhaps it's, you know, kind of making a perfect storm or perfect environment for a fluke you know, to kind of cause some imbalances there too. So you really do want to look at the emotional tie, which um, is a huge piece to the puzzle too. Um, And then also to just different previous exposures. You know, if you um, are already immunocompromised because you've been living in mold, right? Your immune system's not really going to be there to fight off different infections as well. Um, And then you just want to look at even different mineral deficiencies. I know there's some interesting research with copper being a big one because copper really feeds um, parasites, even Lyme bacteria as well. And so if you're low in copper, which a lot of people take zinc and they don't realize that, you know, copper is the cofactor as well. And so, you know, even in the last few years with everything going on, you know, everybody's kind of like pounding zinc. And so they're really throwing their copper out of balance and copper is really important for, um, fighting off some of these pathogens too. So also looking at some of those mineral
0: deficiencies. So it's a lot of different factors for sure kind of playing a role. Mm -hmm, Definitely. And I know, too, when it comes to treating them, we're really trying to support the body from many different angles as well. So what I want to get into now is signs and symptoms. And again, from going through your course, this is extensive, so we're definitely not going to be able to cover all of them. But what I kind of want to touch on is what are some of the symptoms that might be a little bit more obvious externally? And then what are some signs and symptoms you guys are seeing that? maybe a lot of your clients aren't even connecting to the parasites
1: sure so i mean you have to consider that the symptoms that we're going to have are going to correlate to what type of parasite it is first and second where the parasite is harboring because not all parasites are intestinal dwelling so they can live in the liver they can live in the lungs they can live in the lymph they can live in the brain, they can live in the reproductive organs. But um, if we're talking about some of the most common symptoms, um, many parasites are intestinal dwelling. So gut issues are extremely common. And I often see this connected for so many clients, you know, because so many clients are dealing with parasite overgrowth. So we can see things like gas, bloating, constipation, diarrhea, Um, We can also see itchy anus. This is one that I see a lot in kids, but in adults as well. And I always ask and more often than not, they're like, that is something I've dealt with. Um, So another one, feeling hungry constantly. Um, Nutritional deficiencies and anemia are common as well you have to consider that parasites steal our nutrition. And so we end up nutritionally deficient. Um, Parasites can also disrupt uh, our enzyme balance, our digestive enzymes, our stomach acid. And like Christy said, this is our first line of defense against pathogens. So it can increase our parasite load if we don't have enough of those. So heartburn can be common in some of those cases as well. Um, So those are some of the more common things that I tend to see, uh, restless sleep, bedwetting, especially in children, behavioral issues, especially in children. Um, Some less common symptoms, things like eye floaters, and those are really, really common. Um, Those can be connected to mold exposure as well, but we do see it with parasites, Um, headaches, PMS symptoms. So we can see menstrual changes um, with certain parasites. Teeth grinding is another big one, Um, muscle and joint pain, um, twitching, wheezing and coughing, brain fog can also happen. And a lot of these things can get worse around the full moon. So I will often have clients kind of track their symptoms. Do these things get worse, especially the itchy anus? That's one that tends to be worse during the time of the full moon. Um, But think about how parasites that are intestinal dwelling um, can cause inflammation in the body. And so we can see like leaky gut happening. We can see so many different systemic gut related issues um, happen because of parasites but gut stuff really really common um, with bloodborne parasites you know more of those we can see neurological things coming up um, but we can often connect a lot of symptoms to parasite exposure
0: hmm. since you brought it up let's touch on the full moon component here because I think just maybe from astrology or whatever people hear full moon and they go okay, You guys are crazy. So let's, can you break down a little bit of the science of what is it about a full moon that is affecting parasitic activity?
1: Sure. So the full moon attacks, affects the tides. Uh, humans are water bodies. Molecularly, we are 99% water, which means out of, ni- out of 100 water, I'm uh, sorry, out of 100 molecules in the body, 99 of them are water based. So the full moon absolutely affects us on a few different levels. So during the time of the full moon, um, melatonin, we produce less. Um, so we sleep worse, but this is uh, it's a hormone that actually um, allows parasites to be more active. So parasites are more active um, during this time when we have less melatonin. Um, so we also produce more serotonin during the full moon. Serotonin stimulates parasite motility and it also helps parasites reproduce. So parasites uh, can use serotonin to create biofilms this can increase a lot of different symptoms. It can make us feel more unwell during the full moon. Um, So with increased parasite activity during the time of the full moon, this is actually a great time to parasite cleanse. They're coming out of hiding because of these hormonal changes, and it makes it um, the ideal time to do something like a parasite cleanse. Mm -hmm.
0: So let's start getting into a little bit of that. What I wanna start with is when you are interacting with clients, when you're hearing information through social media or whatever other channels, what are some of the common things you're seeing that you might be going, okay, no, 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 that's not necessarily the approach we want to take?
2: Yeah, so um, a couple of them. We we get a lot, to be honest, between me and
0: Don, <laughs> we uh, we we definitely get a
2: lot. I think the first one off the bat is not starting with drainage, and I get this a lot with clients. Is you know, the drainage aspect of things is, you know, kind of looked at as like, oh, it's just not as like cool. Right. And um, but it's really setting up the foundations, which is extremely important. You don't want to start to kill off parasites and you're not being able to get them out. Right. Like you're not pooping enough. You're not, you know, moving toxins. You're not sweating consistently. Um, You're really gonna hurt yourself to be honest And so I unfortunately see a lot of people they just go straight into parasite cleansing they gain weight They feel terrible their skin breaks out Um, um, And so that's probably one of the first things is really not addressing drainage and foundations and both me and Don really do start with you know kind of like a 45 days at least four to six weeks of just doing that right working on draining, um, catering towards their results, of course, but some of those major detox pathways, we're talking about you know like biohacking, whether that be dry brushing, uh, maybe adding in some support where they need it, maybe pain's one of their most common symptoms. So we add in some anti-inflammatory support, et cetera. but really setting the basis for getting your body to want to even detox in the first place is huge um the second one that i see a lot is people trying to do it without a practitioner and i also think that this is huge and i know that a lot of people can't afford to work with somebody and i know that's part of it is they're trying to do it on their own Um, but we really need to take a step back because parasites um, you know they're they in and of themselves are already an issue right they're causing symptoms or causing illness and other factors but they're also holding on to so many things right so parasites can hold you know, up to six times their weight in things like mold and yeast and heavy metals and Lyme bacteria itself. So if you're parasite cleansing without a practitioner and you're not one having proper drainage, you don't have binders, you're not, you know, kind of supporting, you know, elimination, etc. um, they're going to release what they're holding and you can unfortunately get very, very sick. Right. And so not having a practitioner to guide you with proper dosaging, proper supplements, Um, You know, even me and Dawn see a correlation between a lot of these products. We see people push on Instagram and they don't really test on our Mm -hmm. on our bioresonance machines. And so you have to also wonder, like, are you taking the right um, antiparasitics for the parasites that you're even dealing with? Right. And so, you know, really having a practitioner to cater the protocol, cater the dosage, walk you through, you know, die off and what you can do is also really, really important. And then I personally see, I think the third thing would be no real emphasis on the nervous system. And so while it's important that we're making sure we're having regular bowel movements and we're draining and doing all those things, um, when you're releasing parasites, our nervous system tends to heighten, right? And part of it is because parasites themselves are kind of causing a flare of our symptoms. What they're releasing is causing a flare in symptoms. Um, And so one of the most common symptoms I get when people are addressing parasites is anxiety panic attacks They're feeling really nervous and anxious. They can't sleep and so really adding a nervous system support is kind of like a Um, at this point it's it's probably one of the most most important things in my opinion between you know obviously drainage etc and binders but really supporting that nervous system Um, even if a client comes to me in their nervous system or they're not really dealing with anxiety I'm like keep it on hand in case you need it because I would rather them say oh you know I really didn't need it or I only needed it once in a while versus them emailing me because they are you know have they're really struggling they're having tons of anxiety so i think really looking at the nervous system whether it be through supplementation or tapping or just having something in the back of their pocket to really kind of help calm them down um, because that is one of the more common symptoms i get is like increased sleep issues increased anxiety as well
0: Mm, i love that and just when we think about that how many of us are walking around with a dysregulated nervous system so to add that parasite cleansing on top of it it can really feel very destabilizing for someone. And if they're not necessarily making the connection to the parasite cleansing, I can absolutely see how it would be kind of scary of like, what is going on? Why is this getting so intense all of a sudden without being able to understand that connection there, Don, anything else
1: you might add to that? Um, No, I think that I'm really glad Christy touched on the nervous system stuff, because I can't tell you how many times I've had clients contact me and the main thing that happened for them while they tried parasite cleansing on their own was they ended up with panic attacks that they never had before or anxiety that increased to the point um, that they couldn't live their life normally. Um, I will often be walking clients through parasite cleansing. And, you know, at some point we may realize we need to introduce more nervous system support because they have a history of a dysregulated nervous system. So it's really, really common and it's it's so important to have support. And that's why, you know, working with a practitioner is just really important.
0: Mm. So Christy, you touched on it a little bit. What I want to get into is general areas we want to focus on in parasite cleansing. And I know this is so bio individual, so the exact supplements, etc, will be really unique to the person. But in general, what are some of the areas we want to look at or the phases we want to walk through in this process?
1: Yeah, so Christine and I both use bioenergetic testing for this reason because everybody is so bioindividual. So there's going to be a lot of factors to take into consideration. If we have a really sensitive client, you know, we may be thinking about using homeopathic remedies. If we're working with kids, we're probably going to be utilizing homeopathic remedies. Um, In general, I personally like to use a combination of liquid um, tinctures. And herbal capsules. Um, Some of the brands I really like are Cellcore Supreme Nutrition. I use a local brand called Prairie Star Botanicals. Um, Physica is great for homeopathics. Um, And another thing I like to do is rotate through products. So with parasite cleansing, you know so many people will do like a three or a five or a ten day cleanse and i kind of laugh because that's never enough time to actually take care of parasites so parasites go through extremely complex life cycles you know they usually come into the body in egg form they will go through a larva phase they will go through an adult phase um, they will reproduce Uh, so we have to hit them at every life cycle and this can take you know, at least two months is usually what I shoot for. It can be longer, as I mentioned, I ended up having to do eight months of parasite cleansing, but everybody's gonna be a little bit different and that's why we take a bio-individual approach. Um, And for everybody, the the supplements that we're gonna use are gonna be different based on their unique needs. As Christy mentioned, you know, we wanna target the actual parasites that this person is dealing with, whether that be blood-borne or intestinal dwelling, it's gonna take a different approach. Mm
0: -hmm. Okay, let me refer back to my questions really quick. Okay, supporting the parasites, general approach. So can you can we touch a little bit more on the drainage and can you just define what that means? Because I know that's like a more common term in the integrative medicine world. But I do imagine that there's some individuals who go drainage. What does that mean? I don't really understand that. So what is it? And can you just touch on again why that is such an important factor?
2: Um, yeah, so yeah, I know drainage and just like detox pathways is kind of like a buzzword now, right? Especially with like root cause approach, et cetera. Um, drainage is basically kind of like just looking at how can we better support those major organs of detox, right? Whether our, our liver, our bowels, our even our breath, you know, um, our lymphatic system, our kidneys, um, you know, are we sweating, et cetera. And so um, both me and Don use bioresonance, and so we can actually kind of test to see um, those, you know, different detox pathways and to see where the body's, uh, basically holding the stress. So are they dealing with constipation? Then they would need some drainage support there as well. Um, is their liver or their gallbladder impacted because maybe they're dealing with liver flukes? Um, which really kind of affect the liver in the beginning, but can get into the gallbladder and the bile ducts causing issues there as well. Maybe they need some more gallbladder support. So basically drainage is kind of like looking at that from a perspective of how are your different organs of detox functioning? Where can we better support them? Um, and then basically from there, we kind of, um, you know, add in binders to kind of better support it as well. And then if there's other, you know, symptoms or signs of, um, that are going on to kind of catering
0: that protocol around those as well. Mm-hmm. And you again, you mentioned this, but I just want to really hone in on it. That the reason this is so important is because when we are killing off parasites, not only does the parasite itself become a toxin that we need to excrete and clear out, but it also can be harboring so many other toxins like the heavy metals, the molds, the candida, and that too is getting released. So if our drainage pathways our lymph system our bowels aren't already moving smoothly this is going to result in a ton of die-off herx symptoms etc yes a lot of times i just let people know think of like a, a garbage disposal
2: right like you think of like if it's clogged <laughs> if you start adding in more things or you're adding more you know food and trying to move it down you know it's it's not going to move and it's going to make a huge mess right and so if we're not use, utilizing and supporting our drainage Um, It's going to, you know, kind of spiral in other areas too. And our body's so smart. And so a lot of times even what it'll do is it'll store it in other areas, right? It'll store it in our fatty tissue and our brain and other aspects too. And then those symptoms that were maybe before digestive and, you know, uh, pain are starting to migrate into brain fog and weight gain because we weren't really supporting that drainage in the first place.
0: Another question that just popped into my head is I imagine so many of the clients that are coming both of your ways, when we've had chronic illness for so long, there's so many different things going on. And there may even be parasitic infections, Lyme's disease, um, female reproductive issues. And so when you do get a client like that, are what, what would be your recommendations there? Like if you've got multiple distinct things going on, What's the hierarchy of where you start with? Are parasites something you want to try to address first, or does that come maybe a little bit later on?
2: Yeah, me and Don both really follow this specific uh, order of operations. A lot of different trainings now will teach it. You know, we both kind of learned it from you know like a combination of cell core and Dr. Klinghardt, and um, even like Emily Morrow's Blood chem course. But basically, the idea is kind of working on pathogens from biggest to smallest, meaning biggest being you know some sort of like roundworm or tapeworm. Um, all the way down to something teeny tiny as, you know, as like a virus, right, which is going to be um, kind of that order of addressing things in the right order. And so this is one of the, honestly, the bigger areas of my focus and kind of like what I like to um, put a lot of content, content out on is um, the specific order of operations, especially for parasites because I do work in the Lyme community. And this is something I don't see hardly ever addressed, even with some of those, you know, they claim to be Lyme literate practitioners and they don't look at parasites and there's so much research, research out there showing that parasites are harboring Lyme bacteria. And so I often get, you know, clients coming to me that have been on all these different protocols for years and years and years and they're not getting better from Lyme and they've never looked at parasites. And so they start to become on this hamster wheel of, you know, kind of getting better, they go off the products and they're worse or, you know, they just kind of like, can't get off this, um, you know, year and year of protocols are bouncing around to different practitioners because parasites are holding onto Lyme bacteria. So you can try to address it all you want, but if it's still there in the body, you're never really going to get well. And so every single one of my clients come to me, they start with drainage and foundations. Then we work on parasite cleansing, um, kind of like what Don mentioned, at least two months, sometimes six months, sometimes eight months. Um, and then we move into mold and heavy metals. And then from there we get into actually Lyme bacteria. So a lot of people who come to me, they're very confused because they're like, well, wait a minute. We're one we're not even detoxing cause we're starting with drainage. And then two, we're, we're not even addressing Lyme until probably at least six months, um, down the road from even working with me. And so it's a completely different approach. Um, but even with my own experience, I see this to be extremely helpful because I kind of, um, when I first started, you know, working on my own health with chronic Lyme you know, I was kind of taught to you address the pathogen first, right? Lime's what's causing your issues and you have to just kind of jump, you know, address it from the get-go. But I really just feel like this doesn't work when there's other, you know, I like to always say it's never just one thing, right? It's never just Lyme. It's never even just parasites, right? There's a a perfect storm created and that's when we really get sick. And so following this uh, set order of operations really does allow, um, you know, us to address things in the proper order. Um, and we're just seeing a better, you know, a better result long term. We're seeing a faster recovery, um, et cetera, um, when we stick to,
0: you know, working on things from biggest, uh, biggest to smallest. One of the so two more questions. One of the ones that you, I think, I saw from Christy, your page. Can we hone in on the importance of enzymes? Again, I know supplementation here is really bio individual, so I don't necessarily. Want to cover like a bunch of supplementation, although, Don, you mentioned some of your favorites, and there's a whole great list in your course, which was phenomenal. But I think that digestive enzyme piece is something, at least from what I'm seeing from other practitioners when it comes to parasites, is not getting talked about either. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of like another
2: area I really like to look at too, just because I I like to kind of meet clients where they are, and I know not everybody's going to want to do a coffee enema right and so if you're really not supporting your body's ability to get out parasites you know like how is it going to do so we can only do so much with you know working on better bowel movements etc um but if you think of the reason you already have parasites in the beginning is because you weren't able to fight them off due to lack of enzyme production so you can imagine you know if you're dealing with uh so there's i should have said this in the beginning but there's technically three different types of parasites right so um, I know we always kind of assume all parasites are really big and they're in the intestines, but we have protozoans, which are going to be your one-cell um, type of parasites, which these are going to be like Giardia or Toxoplasma, depending on what kind of parasites you guys are aware of, et cetera. Um, these are going to be ones you don't see. They're invisible to the eye, right? So these are the type of parasites you probably just need some biofilm support for because they're creating their own biofilm, but you probably don't necessarily need um, bowel support to eliminate these stif- this type of pa- uh, th- this type of parasites. But if we're talking about helminths, which are your tapeworms, your roundworms, um, your liver flukes, etc., these are going to be the type of parasites that we really do have to pass via the bowels, and they can be big, right? So, um, you know, you think of a roundworm can be as skinny as a pencil, but it can be you know up to several feet long. And so, if you think of you don't already have proper digestive function, you don't have proper enzymes, you can imagine how hard it would be (laughs) to break down a really long pathogen. And and, and parasites are primarily a protein source. So I always off the bat look at enzymes. And if someone's testing for they're low in protease, they're low in amylase, they're low in uh, you know all of these different cellulase, which is for fiber, all these different enzymes, I already know they're going to have a hard time potentially with parasite cleansing. And so this is when using systemic enzymes can be really helpful. Um, so there's a difference between digestive enzymes and like a systemic enzyme. So digestive enzymes are meant to just stay in the gut, right? They're there to help you break down food for energy. They're there to help you absorb your nutrients better. Systemic enzymes are meaning they are systemic, right? So they can go to other areas of the body. They don't just stay in the stomach. Um, so typically systemic enzymes, you have to you know kind of swallow in a capsule form because they have to bypass and get down into the small intestine. but um, they're there to kind of help assist in breaking down of biofilm and parasite die off and they can be extremely helpful. And what I typically see with, with clients when they take these, you want to take them, you know, on an empty stomach away from food, um, is that, you know, when it comes to parasite cleansing, they're not having as much abdominal pain or cramping. That tends to happen when we're trying to pass parasites in the first place. So they can be helpful for just breaking down parasites better. Um, and then also too, just helping with the biofilm aspect that tends to come with parasites and any pathogen, really they're gonna create their own you know, biofilm, um, et cetera, to kind of protect themselves Um, And so that's another thing, even me and Dawn for on our bioresonance machine, is we can see biofilm flag and we already know, okay, you could throw antiparasitics at this individual as much as you want, but if you don't have a biofilm buster in there, it's really going to make those antiparasitics not work very well. So that's when I really like systemic enzymes for multiple reasons, and they can even be helpful for other pathogens too, like candida and even heavy metals and lime, they're all creating biofilm. Um, in the body too so they can be helpful for a lot of different reasons but in particular for, for parasites they're just making the process a little bit easier um, and so if somebody's not wanting to do you know coffee enemas etc
0: um, they can really just help with the process okay so a couple of side questions on that Sure. <laughs> first um, how can someone tell if a product is a systemic enzyme versus just a digestive enzyme and then second Is it common, are you often, either of you, having clients on both systemic and digestive enzymes?
2: So it depends on the brand. So Cellcore does have a digestive enzyme, which is called CTzyme, that actually can act as both. Um, So when you take it with food, it acts as a regular digestive enzyme. If you take it at least an hour away from food and supplements, it acts as a systemic enzyme. So there are some that can be both. the uh the reason i like i mean i do like that one um the reason i really like the mitolife dissolve it all a little bit better is because the ingredients are a lot different and so if you're looking at a regular digestive enzyme it's only going to contain you know like amylase and bromelain and you know you know protease etc whereas a systemic enzyme is going to be way more complex and a lot of times they contain um they sometimes will contain bromelain but they sometimes will contain um, you know, nan- nanokinase and other things that are really good for biofilm, really good for mucus formulation, etc. So you kind of want to look at the ingredients to kind of get a little bit more understanding. But typically, most most companies kind of create them differently for that reason. Cellcor um, kind of made theirs all in one.
1: Um,
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. And then do you often have them on digestive and systemic if they're different things? Um, usually, no.
2: Okay. Um, I have had some people test for CT-zyme, and so for that reason, I'll tell them if they feel like they want to take it with food, they can. Um, But typically when I'm addressing parasites, I'm using the enzyme specifically for parasite cleansing, but I do use digestive enzymes maybe beforehand or after just to kind of better help support them because what I find is a lot of people get frustrated when they're you know, they're running a report and they see that they're low in so many different minerals and vitamins and they're eating organic and they're doing all mm-hmm. the right things. That's when, honestly, digestive enzymes can be helpful because they're just going to better help assist in absorption. And so if we're spending all this money getting, you know, local eggs and, you know, farm or I mean, um, pasteurized meat, we, we really want to make sure we're utilizing that food properly too.
0: So. hmm. Dawn, I'd love to hear from you and I swear I'm going to bring this to a close soon. <laughs> <laughs> but the questions keep coming up. Um, I would love to hear actually some of the adjunct therapies or treatments that you guys have found really helpful. We touched on like coffee enemas here, but I'd love to hear some of the other ones outside of just supplementation that you can find to be really helpful, whether it's in supporting drainage pathways or actual detoxification. Yeah. So
1: lymphatic support is so important along this whole process. So I will often advocate for things like dry brushing, uh, which stimulates the lymphatic system. Rebounding, another way to really help the lymphatic system. Epsom salt baths, you know, that helps you to sweat. It's also really great for magnesium. So um, I really like that. Uh, Other things, helping to support the nervous system. So one of the new things that Christy and I are both kind of doing ourselves and starting to introduce to clients is primal trust. So brain retraining along this process, I think, uh, you know, helping to support the nervous system, um, changing old thought patterns around how we are viewing chronic illness, uh, all of that can be really, really supportive. So, you know, the basics cannot be ignored on this process. So, getting extra sleep, especially while parasite cleansing, drinking clean, filtered, mineralized water, focusing on diet. You know, you want to make sure that you've removed uh, anything dietarily that is uh, sensitivity for you. Some people really struggle with dairy and gluten. So these would be things you would want to make sure that you're removing, at least during this cleansing process. Um, you know, all of the good hygiene practices around uh, supporting yourself Um starting a morning routine so that you have time for yourself in the morning and evening routine so that you wind down and um can help your melatonin production by using things like blue blocking glasses you know turning off screens all of the self-care things are so so important and i really think that the basics can be easily overlooked um but i mean besides that uh coffee enemas which we've already talked about Uh, i also really like chamomile tea um Enemas as well. You know, if people are sensitive to coffee, that can be really supportive as well. Introducing antiparasitic foods alongside supplements, so things like pumpkin seeds, uh, things like um, pineapple, you know, introducing those during that time can be really supportive. Um, so there's a lot of lifestyle things. And uh, just taking really, really good care of yourself can be so important.
0: Hmm. I love that. So last question is I had, I did a little poll on Instagram and a couple people wanted to know about parasite cleansing when pregnant or breastfeeding. And again, I know this there's a lot here, so just, we can get like a quick spiel on it. And I know, I think you guys just had like a whole live on this so I can kind of direct people to that as well. And then parasite cleansing for infants, just your two cents on this.
2: Yeah, so this is something me and Don uh, we, we get asked probably, we both have question boxes and I have mine on Sundays, I get asked every single week, I get it through the week um, and it's something, yeah, we recently, well, it was probably a few months ago at least that we we went on a live just for this reason to talk about uh, parasites in pregnancy, parasites in breastfeeding, etc. Since it is something that I see so much, I've actually even had people reach out to me saying that they were, you know, kind of guided down doing parasite cleansing while pregnant. And so it was another reason why we really wanted to talk about how unsafe that is um, as well. But um, really what we like to kind of go back to is, you know, I know there's a lot of focus on, uh, you know, like wanting to eliminate some of these pathogens we can pass in utero to our children. Um, but it's really something we need to kind of emphasize before, um, before having kids or before um, wanting to conceive. Um, because when you are pregnant or even breastfeeding, it's just not safe. There's so many unknowns. Um, There are some studies that are really limited, but it has been been shown that you can, um, you know, pass um, parasites even while breastfeeding. And so this idea of wanting to open up pathways and move and mobilize parasites um, when we're pregnant and when we're breastfeeding just does not, um, it's not something that we support. Uh, We really think it could be dangerous to mom or baby. Um, and so it's something we like to talk about a lot just because um, you know parasites are something a lot of people are talking about which is amazing we love hearing that but it's just not the time to do it um, you know when you're pregnant you really need to be focusing on how can I better support myself you know what deficiencies may I have that maybe I need to work on you need to work on your stress your adrenals your mineral status etc it's really not a time to be you know stressing the body more um, mm-hmm. when it comes to parasite cleansing as well. And so, you know, there are things you still can do, you know, like Don mentioned foods, you know, like the pumpkin seeds and aloe and coconut oil. And I mean, there's so many, I actually have a post on anti-parasitic foods as well. And there are even some like general homeopathies and things that are really kind of gentle and safe to still do when you're pregnant. Um, but really, you know, we need to take a step back and think about what is the most safe thing to do for mom and baby. Um, and really just detoxing is not something that, you know, we would suggest in any, any shape or form um, either way, you know, whether that be, you know, pregnancy or, yeah, I had somebody reach out and say, you know, is it okay to breastfeed uh, or do a parasite cleansing one breastfeeding, despite how old the baby was and of, you know, you know it, it doesn't matter, right? How old, if it's an infant, if it's a toddler, you're still breastfeeding and there's still a chance of passing some of these things uh, via breast milk. So.
0: Mm. And then if there's a mother who has had their child no longer breastfeeding, is going through their own parasite and they're concerned their toddler may also have parasites. What is your two cents there of when could an, an infant or a child, when could an, a, their parent kind of help them start working through that?
1: Yeah, I can. Um, you know, it's going to depend a little bit on the age of the child. Um, I like homeopathics for kids, and I've seen them be really, really supportive even at a very young age. Uh, So I work with a lot of kids and toddlers, and um, even just by using one homeopathic at a very, very low dose, if they've tested well for it using bioenergetic testing, um, I have seen so many pictures of parasites inside of diapers that moms are sending me. So it's absolutely possible to do parasite cleansing um, for young kids. You wanna be careful. You know, you want to work with a practitioner in that case for sure. So somebody that can guide you as far as dosage. But yes, you can definitely do it. Um, And I think homeopathics are the way.
0: Can you guys real quick say the name of your course? Like I said, I'll make sure it's linked in the show notes below, but I want to give you a chance to share about it too. It's called, um, it's called
2: a wormhole. Um, It's all about a deep dive into parasites and really how they can impact us, whether it be on a physical, emotional, mental, chronic illness level.
0: Yeah, it was phenomenal having taken it myself. Absolutely loved it. Practitioner or just the average individual. I think it's such such a valuable resource. So I highly recommend it. Christy Don, this was phenomenal. I was truly so excited for this. Um, so, so eager and I cannot wait for my audience to be able to listen to this.
1: Thank you so much. It was great.
0: Thank you so much. We really appreciate it.